0: Welcome back to episode four of Finding Your Fearless, a Melbourne Vixens podcast hosted by me, Joe Weston. Finding Your Fearless is presented by Deakin University. Just like the Vixens, Deakin University is fearless in its approach to learning, which is why every single course is backed by industry experts. This means you can get confident you'll get the job you want with a degree employers want. Deakin University, progressive real-world learning. This week, I am joined by AFLW superstar Darcy Vessio. According to Deakin University, in 2017, females made up 30% of the 1.5 million people that were participating in Australian rules nationwide. In 2013, the AFLW is said to expand from 420 to 540 players as the league continues to grow. Darcy is a country girl who has made her way to the top of this sport. In 2021, she topped off a stellar year by being selected into the All-Australian team and being named Carlton's best and fairest plus the league's leading goal kicker. A superstar off the field thanks to her work on inclusivity and diversity, here is my chat with Darcy. Darcy, welcome to Finding Your Feelers. Thanks for joining me today. How are you going? Hi, Joe. Thank you for having me. I'm really, really well.
1: Very excited to be here.
0: You look very relaxed. You've come off a couple of weeks post-season after finishing up with Carlton in the AFLW. Uh, Did you have some celebrations? What have the last few weeks looked like for you?
1: Uh, Yes, it has been quite a relaxing... I don't even know how long ago the season finished, to be honest. Um, I think it's maybe been six to eight weeks, um, depending on who you ask. Um, But, yeah, it's been great. Um, A bit of relaxing. I went back to the farm for a few days... Um, a few events uh, which, you know, lost my voice, regained my voice, lost my voice and now luckily it's back to do this.
0: Yeah, you, you sound great just so you know and you, you look great too. There's nothing like a bit of um, hair and makeup in the off season for people just to completely not recognise you after <laughs> seeing you in uniform. Did you find that that you turn up to events sometimes and people give you like a bit of a double take?
1: Uh, I find we all do it to each other to be honest like um, yeah there's a bit of glam that goes on off the field uh, during event season which is a bit of fun Um, so yeah sometimes everyone gets a double take I think I I double take people they double take me um, and just what goes around comes around. Now you just said you'd been back home you're also from northeast
0: Victoria so I googled you Mm -hmm. as people do in the lead up to interviewing people and it said that you're from Markwood. And I clicked on it and it actually has no Wikipedia page. Did you know this? <laughs> yes. I actually
1: think that I put Markwood in. <laughs> you put Markwood on the map or just? <laughs> no, I I have a feeling. I can't remember whether I actually did it or not. But I remember seeing of there for a long time. Mm. And it just, you know, it, it didn't not sit well, but it wasn't. As true as it could be um, because I often say I'm from Wangaratta so it probably is my own fault but I'm actually from a town in between Wangaratta and Myrtleford called Markwood um, which is so small um, it has a tennis court that's overgrown it used to have a primary school that's now shut down um, which I went to. Oh Um, that's sad. (laughs) Yeah it is quite sad Um, but yeah I can't remember cannot confirm if I made that change myself yeah, you're but. not allowed to edit your own Wikipedia <laughs> page. <laughs> okay. Just so you know, wipe me
0: off. <laughs> but maybe we can create a Markwood page after this, and then we can add you to Notable Figures. Yeah, that would be <laughs> that would be really special. <laughs> so it's on the Snow Road. I'm yes. from my family's from just outside of Bright, so I've driven that way many times, and I yeah. can confirm it's it's pretty small. The population would be under a thousand.
1: Definitely, I think. Yeah, blink and you miss Markwood. It's sort of. It's between Millwa and Everton if you're from that way, um, but yeah, there's no notable, <laughs> no <laughs> notable things. I can't. Oh, well, there's an olive grove I think if you yeah. see an olive grove, that's but that's maybe even in Everton.
0: <laughs> well, country footy netball is the lifeblood of mm. regional communities. So you would have played AFL when you were younger, but I know that there wasn't many underage women's competitions. Mm. Did you play and then have to stop playing or were you able to play all the way through to making your AFLW debut?
1: Well, I grew up just loving football. Um, so my dad, uh, used, oh, he used to play, um, but he was a mad St Kilda supporter. So when, um, as soon as we could, I guess, hold things, um, I can remember holding a footy. Um, <laughs> and I sort of started Auskick as soon as my... Oh, as soon as I was old enough, because my older brother Zeb was playing football, and oh, nice. I was very competitive. I still am quite competitive, um, which is good. Comes in handy. Um, it does when you're an elite <laughs> athlete. It's very useful. <laughs> yeah. Um, but he, yeah, he played footy, so I wanted to play footy, um, and I grew up playing for the Rally Lions in the Oz Kick. Do you know Rurali?
0: Yes, I actually think my middle brother played for I Rurali, right? Yes. Yeah, I think he played for them. Are they in the Kings Valley? Uh, the O and K. O K. Yeah. Yeah, the
1: Ovenson King League. So you played for them too? Yeah, I played football there. Mm-hmm. Um, I played some netball there you as well. Straight into the netball court. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm actually actually looking for a spot um in netball at the moment. So. What position? Um. I uh, did play goal defence. <gasps> oh, <I>, oh, there's <laughs> going to be a bit of – I can I, feel the tension already. Know, if I'd <laughs> known
0: that, I wouldn't have invited you. I wouldn't have, you'd be the probably the first athlete to do the opposite code hop, to go from <laughs> AFLW to netball because there's been a few that have made the jump across to outside. I don't know why they do it. I specifically chose mm. to play an indoor sport so I wouldn't have to brave the elements. Mm. I don't want to play in the sun in the summer. I don't want to get burnt. I don't want to play in the rain in the winter because that's going to ruin my
1: hair and I don't want to get muddy. It's a very smart, smart choice. Thank you. I'm a bit precious, some would say, <laughs> but <laughs> I wouldn't say that. But <laughs> So you were playing in
0: uh, O&K and then yeah. did you move down to Melbourne to, or did you do the commute like lots of country people do to mm. try and get foot in the door?
1: Yeah well um, I so I played my juniors up until I was about 13 um, and then I actually played my final year of junior footy with Myrtleford nice. um, which was lovely. Um, we won a premiership which was uh, great memories um, but then I knew that I had to stop playing uh, because there weren't any pathways around or teams where girls could continue mm. to play because I was playing with the boys up until that stage so Um, I remember feeling like that was very normal. Um, There'd been a couple of girls before me who had had that exact pathway. They'd played with the boys, like being one of the only girls playing. Um, And then they had to hang up the boots when they were 14. So from pretty much all I can remember is mum and dad making sure that I knew that going into that season, you know, this is going to be your last footy season. Um, girls can't play. Once once you hit 14, you can't play. And um, I was very lucky to have really supportive teammates and everything like that. So it was a really a positive experience, I guess, for me. Um, and it wasn't until I moved to Melbourne to do university that I sort of slid back into footy um, by chance. So that was, yeah, a really nice thing.
0: It's so different even probably 10 plus years because when I was younger, 14 and 15, I used to watch a lot of netball and obviously I still had that um, goal. Like I had that visualisation of what, you know, you could play for Australia, you could play mm. for a club at the elite level. For me personally, I just never thought it was possible for me but I still had that access to being able to see it mm. on the TV. It always used to be on ABC. I used yeah. to watch the Lawn Bowls after. Good combo <laughs> for a Sunday <laughs> it afternoon Didn't get you across the Lawn Bowls though. No, it's actually a pretty good sport. I'm saving that till I'm a little bit older. I think mm. and I need a lower, lower impact. I'll pull out the claw and just,
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, Lawn bowls is incredibly skillful, eh? They're yeah.
0: amazing. Yeah.
1: yeah we amazing. can have a
0: um, Carlton v Melbourne Vixens
1: lawn bowls competition perhaps over the summer. That sounds good. Surely there's a lawn bowls club nearby.
0: It has to be. I'll I'll look into it for us. I'll do some I'll do some research. So you moved to Melbourne to go to uni. What did you study?
1: Uh, I was studying communication design, which is essentially like graphic design um, at RMIT. And then I did that for a year. I dropped out. I decided I was doing too much work on the computer. Um, and Carry then up. I <laughs> and then I slid into um, furniture design instead. Ooh. So, I did a furni- an associate degree in furniture design um, for a couple of years, finished that and then I, now I'm, uh, I guess I'm a footballer and a graphic designer. Um, <laughs> I haven't built anything since but um, I like to think that one day, you know, I'll get back on the tools and, and have all the knowledge I need.
0: Back, back on the tools. We used to be sponsored by a tool company. Um, oh, really? The Vixens. And I just thought that was a bit of an odd mix. Mm. But I think they were trying to target the netball dads, or also women who can use tools. Yeah, um, I like that. Yeah. And an unexpected
1: sponsor, I love
0: that. If we'd had someone who was able to make furniture in the team, I feel like that would have been a bit
1: more of <laughs> a, a match made, <laughs> a match made in heaven. <laughs> but uh, yeah, who knows? I'm still, um, as I said, uh, still holding on to that potential of a netball career. So yeah, um,
0: who knows? Yeah. There's <laughs> still, there's definitely still time for you. So. I used to watch a little bit of AFLW when the exhibition matches were on and you played mm-hmm. for them in the for Western Bulldogs. Yes. That's right. Oh, and then so how many years? I feel like uh, for me it's a little bit of a blur because I remember watching those games on the TV every year. I think I maybe watched 2 years and then mm-hmm. there must have been a few more before that before the AFLW started. Yeah. If you were to go back to 2016 or 2017 what was that time like could you just feel like this excitement in the air about something big and such a huge change coming?
1: Yeah well I suppose when I started playing football again as an adult um, so when I was 18 when I picked footy back mm-hmm. up um, it was still very much a hobby for me like there were girls who did take it quite seriously but I, uh, I guess I was more focused on study and um, and I didn't really see like a, a pathway in footy, there, there, you could play at a high level um, but there wasn't really that career option. Um, so then a couple of years later, so I think that would have been 2011 when I started playing footy again and then in 2013 they had the first exhibition game between Melbourne and Bulldogs mm-hmm. and um, I remember they had a draft process and I was hearing about this game but I didn't really think it would be much um, but I ended up submitting my draft form and then on draft day, I still hadn't heard back. So <laughs> I remember emailing uh, Jan Cooper, who's a pioneer of women's football, mm. um, and being like, Jan, like, have you got, have you got my form? Like, I, I sent it in. And she was like, Nah, nah, I didn't get it. Um, but make sure you go along and support your friends. And okay. I remember, <laughs> like, <laughs> but looking back, like, I think, like, it was something about I didn't get it posted like I had to post it so I didn't get it posted at at the right time so it's a reflection of my disorganized (laughs) mind I guess um but that sort of um I guess is a reflection of how serious I thought it was I didn't realize that it would be turn out to be such a big deal and I remember going to that game and seeing or going to the draft even and seeing Daisy get drafted and, and all my friends and thinking whoa like that's something that I really want to be part of um and then, uh, yeah, the next year I got drafted and then got to play in those games and that was sort of the real, the first real taste of what it's like, I guess, to wear AFL colours, even though it was sort of just the one special game um, and you go into the club like a couple of days before and like a little footy camp just to kind of dip the toe in and, and feel um, what it's like to be in there. Um, but, yeah, that was probably the first time that I thought, oh, something – Something big might be coming. But it wasn't until it sort of got announced officially that I thought it could actually be a possibility.
0: I'm sure there were plenty of rumours and chatter going around at that Mm. time. It's one of those things where you probably never want to get your hopes or expectations up just in case it doesn't come to fruition. But it did and that was Mm. such an exciting time period in women's sport and I think just in Australian history. You ended up at Carlton, the Navy Blues. Obviously my football team, Essendon, doesn't have an AFLW team, which is the bane of my existence, which is the only reason I'm still playing netball, to be honest. I'm just waiting. <laughs> just waiting. Just waiting for them to be included in the in the competition. Um, how was it, I guess, I mean, that first game you guys played against Collingwood where there was a lockout, um, and just since then the competition has grown so much. I guess, have you found your journey from sort of being a semi-professional athlete? I feel like for me, when I came into the – netball system I've seen it grow uh, and develop to be more and more professional as the time goes on and I think we've probably had a longer period in that sort of incubation phase but have you noticed that because it's probably been expedited a bit with the growth and the funding that the AFL has provided has it changed drastically since your first year in the competition so this would be you're probably just about to go into your fifth year, fifth yeah, or six year six, yeah. Wow. So <laughs> <laughs> I nearly finished
1: primary school. I know, what <laughs> the heck. Um, yeah, it is sort of, uh, it is a lot to think about, um, I guess, what my expectations were going into the first season and what we all thought we were getting ourselves into. Like I think we felt very just grateful that we had the league and um, couldn't believe that we were going to get any sort of money um, to play football. So that's sort of the mindset that we had um, heading in and um, a lot of the girls had never, I guess experienced like a proper strength and conditioning program and, and understanding elite habits. And, and I think even now, like I'm still kind of understanding that more and more as the years go on and the preseason sort of build. But I definitely think um, there's been a huge shift in standard um, in the way the girls, not only conduct themselves in training um, with intensity and um, I guess understanding how far they can push themselves but also uh, the actual playing standard I think has, has lifted every year um, even along with expansion and that sort of thing. So I think it's pretty special to see what, um, I guess, what the women can do um, when you give them the opportunity and, and create that platform for them to actually you know give things a crack because uh, that's what it's all about, just giving people a platform and um, providing those structures that give support for them to be able to uh, push as far as they can. Uh,
0: 2021 wasn't really Carlton's year per se, but it was definitely Darcy Vessio's year. You were in the All-Australian, Carlton's best and fairest winner and also the league's leading goal kicker. Now, I know um, in the men's competition it's called the Coleman medal, but (laughs) there isn't a name for the women's leading goal kicker. Do you think if you won it a few years in a row that you could put together a petition for it to be named after you? Have you thought about this?
1: I've been asked this a couple of times (laughs) and it is a very, very funny, funny question. Um, I would love all the medals to be named after women who – didn't get to play in the AFLW, I think oh, that would be yeah. the best thing um, and I think that would have a lot more meaning. Um, yeah, I, I don't think I've kicked enough goals or <laughs> done enough to, for, for an actual medal um, to be in my name but um, yeah, I definitely think that whether it's the leading goal kicker or um, the league's best and fairest, I, I feel like those medals should be named after the women who were playing footy well before um, we got to wear AFL jumpers. And Well, before it was cool, so um, <laughs> that's uh, that's it's where always my best. Cool, yeah, I think. I think so. Low key
0: cool though, now it's just very popular, very cool. Yeah, very cool. <laughs> <laughs> so you'll keep playing with Carlton for hopefully a few years. Who knows what's going to happen in that space? I guess away from the field, you work part time as a graphic designer and. I feel like I was initially drawn to your very comedic content on Instagram. I obviously try my hand, but my Photoshop skills (laughs) leave a little bit to the um, imagination. I'm normally, I'm quite good on paint. I actually haven't upgraded and, you know, leveled up to Photoshop just yet. Uh, Do you work mainly in the sports or do you do any sort of freelance work?
1: um I will I do whatever whatever comes my way at the moment um I sort of work in a few different little um I guess areas because I enjoy variety Mm -hmm. um I do love things that focus on women and sport so yeah I guess um women's sport and um yeah the graphics that I make on Instagram for fun are usually sort of in that area (laughs) um I grew up um on paint as well so I I love paint. Uh, the simplicity of, um, you know, just being able to grab a tool and and do whatever you want with it, I think is really nice. And I think it's beautiful that you continue to use that.
0: Thank you. I have to show day. you some of my better efforts <laughs> after we're done. They include me photoshopping uh, hats onto me while yes. playing netball, and then I've replaced the netball with a sushi platter before. I thought wow. that was quite ingenious it's obviously quite rudimentary with the the cut and paste but I do spend a lot of time
1: Yes. Yeah.
0: if you can't get it what's it called when something's on a transparent background because that's a jackpot oh, right when you find that
1: like a png we yeah. call that a PNG. <laughs> <laughs> a png file <laughs> um well it sounds like you have skills that could be transferred to photoshop um, okay. you just need to learn the basics and you know who knows where you could take things you might become a graphic designer yourself or just keep it as a as a side hobby yeah maybe i'll keep it as a side hobby it's probably just going to be me um just <laughs> editing a whole lot of photos of my dog billy into yeah. various
0: places i'll be like billy's just come back from paris she had an amazing time <laughs> check out these 200 photos of her at various institutions here in front of the eiffel tower you know
1: well, I see graphic design as a, an expression of self. So I feel <laughs> – <laughs> I often – like there's not a day <laughs> goes by where I don't use graphic design in one way or another. But it's a way to um, to almost create a visual of your thoughts. And I think yeah. that I'm very lucky to have those skills to express myself. So I think if if that's something that you want to do, I would definitely recommend doing it because it's just – unlocking new levels of your life I think
0: yeah okay I'll report back <laughs> on <laughs> that I think you'll see them on my Instagram they'll be like please stop
1: <laughs> <laughs> it sounds silly but honestly I think if it's something you want to do then you yeah. should definitely get I'll, into it I'll go for it
0: um, I'm pretty heavily involved with our netball players association and I know the AFLW is in a state of growth and a little bit of a state of flux I guess depending what happens over the next few years uh, can you sort of maybe give the listeners some background as to what it currently looks like and maybe what it will look like over the next few mm. years for players involved in the system? I'm also very interested in case I decide to make the jump across when my netball career eventually <laughs> ends.
1: Yeah, you <laughs> want to suss things out? Yeah, take the inter- Shani Leighton or Norder path? Yeah, she's... Perhaps. That is,
0: and I think um, we discussed sort of Shani's comments recently off mic about how she's actually had to step away am mm-hmm. playing AFLW now because for her it just isn't um, – it's not providing her enough to dedicate how much time she needs to become mm. a footballer. Have you found that? Is that sort of what is the discussion piece within your playing group at the moment?
1: Yeah, I think it's a big focus point um, because at the moment our contracts are uh, part-time for part of the year, I don't know how to part part time. Um, quarter time. <laughs> that sounds bad. Time. It's not time. <laughs> so it's pretty much um, we're contracted for six months of the year, and it's around fifteen hours a week. So okay. um, usually that uh, equates to three to four sessions at the club, um, and then during season it's like two to three sessions plus match day. Um, so it sort of um, allows. I guess it's designed to allow girls to, uh, um, yeah, the girls to uh, be able to work outside of playing footy because at the moment the wage, or I guess the average wage is around twenty thousand for girls playing footy. Um, so it means it's not a, a livable wage. Um, so most of the girls playing do have to work outside of that. Um, but as we spoke about earlier, like the way the standards improving um that doesn't happen by accident it's because girls are doing a lot of extras um and taking it upon themselves to um I guess create the best football possible and I think that is something that we do feel as players like we want to be providing um you know not only the best spectacle but you know making sure that we're doing everything we can for our careers and at the moment um yeah I guess we are supported to do or we're paid to do that for just 15 hours of the week so um yeah, at the moment we're looking at how that sort of shifts going forward, um, whether it's it's sort of been an incremental growth um, at the moment but that sort of means that it's becoming a tighter, tighter squeeze for um, girls who are especially working full-time um, because their full-time job, of course, mm-hmm. remains um, their main job um, and football just keeps increasing year upon year. So, um, yeah, there's some really big um, sort of issues looming Coming forward, but there are also massive opportunities um, in how we approach them and how uh, we get girls, uh, I guess, playing uh, full time. Hopefully,
0: yeah. There's a bit of crossover. I think we're just about to start collaboration on a new collective playing agreement um, mm-hmm. after Nepal signed a new broadcast deal with KO at the end of last year or the start of this year, which is quite exciting. And that's always been a really big discussion piece for us because we used to be paid. For only, I think it was six to nine months of the year and then mm-hmm. we have this three-month time period where you're not earning any income from netball but there's still this expectation on you to yeah. uh, stay a certain level um, of um, – be a level of fitness and all of those sorts of things that come. So when pre-season starts, you're already in a pretty good shape yeah. so You can do a lot of work without being compensated with it. So we moved towards 12-month contracts but now – for girls that don't go and play for Australia, there's this big period of time where they're being paid by the club. Um, some people would say for not doing anything. Obviously, they're still training. Mm. But it's sort of how to balance that between the two. Because some people want the freedom where they have, they're have they not getting paid so they have no obligation in terms of uh, media commitments or commercial things so they can just go and be free. Mm. Whereas others like the stability that having a 12-month contract um, provides and same with probably what we want a professional netballer to look like. Do we want to be full-time athletes? Mm. Do we like having the time to be able to pursue work or study and be a more holistic athlete? Yeah. Um, so it's all those kind of like checks and balances and every player wants different things. Mm. We have a lot of international athletes that come over. So for them, they are professional athletes. Like netball is their source of income and they don't potentially I'm not speaking for all of them if they do listen to this yeah but they know they might not value as much of that balance that um, Australian players do and I'm sure Mm -hmm. you have differing opinions on that in your playing group as well right
1: yeah definitely I think um, yeah it's hard to know exactly what the best balance Mm -hmm. is and I think um, yeah we all have different opinions of how quickly and how um, what the sort of timeline looks like for that as well Um, but yeah I think At the moment, um, definitely just I think trying things is is the best way to do things by just, um, I guess, providing girls the choice. I think um, that's probably a big thing that I come back to um, because I feel like at the moment we're losing girls out of footy because they have to choose their career because um, I guess sort of like what Shani was talking about, um, the money she gets from football... And what she has to put her body through to, um, I guess, maintain that training and be able to do everything she wants to do as an athlete just isn't worth it anymore. So um, I hope um, that in time it'll – hopefully if girls have to make a choice it'll be whether they want to dive into full-time footy or dive into, um, you know, their work outside of footy um, and hopefully that's a a choice they can make, an informed choice, yeah.
0: It is difficult sitting in that grey – area and I feel like there's been lots of athletes across any code that have probably felt that pressure and the longer I think you sit in that middle area where you're potentially trying to get a contract or trying to get signed as well as trying to pursue either study or work, the more draining it becomes and I feel like you end up not being able to give 100% to either because you get caught sort of in this this middle space. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I guess alongside playing, you are one of the AFL's multi multiculturalism multicultural yeah multicultural um, ambassadors that's it thank you so much for that clarification I was like that word does not <laughs> sound <laughs> quite correct yeah how does it roll into
1: <laughs> the next word
0: um what does that include I know you host a podcast mm. it's not called cutting mandarins no, it's as not I I, Darcy is holding a mandarin so it was a slip of the tongue but it's called cutting oranges obviously because that's what you have on the side of a sports field yes um how are you finding that what does that include
1: yeah um it's been a really cool uh opportunity i sort of uh this was actually before AFLW started that i became a multicultural ambassador for the AFL which is um <laughs> which is really cool because um before that I probably uh, was feeling like I'm putting a lot into sport, uh, into playing footy but I wasn't really sure whether I needed to focus more on work outside of footy um, and then the opportunity arose to become an ambassador um, and that was a sort of a moment for me where I realised I could do more through playing football than literally just chasing around a sack of air um so (laughs) I sort of um yeah that's really important to me and something that drives me sort of seeing a bit more of a bigger picture and understanding that um you can I guess um reach different people through sport and help um or support people um and and that's sort of been part of that role so usually um in a non- Uh, pandemic world Um, we might be able to go on camps or go out to um, schools and that sort of thing um, which have a lot of kids from um, I guess communities that wouldn't uh, naturally step into footy or might not see themselves particularly in the game so to be able to sort of reach out to those communities and um, show them uh, I guess a pathway into the sport um, is really cool Um, and and it definitely uh sits I guess within my um value system the way I see footy I think it's a sport for everyone so it's really nice to be able to um talk to different kids about that
0: yeah that's that's really special I think you know every sport and every probably organization you know need to have diversity and it's something they work towards and Mm -hmm. I think sport does a really good job of it especially football um, having a wide variety of people from different backgrounds and even you know with women with different body shapes playing so when younger people watch they can see themselves represented on the tv or represented when they go and watch their club and I know netball's probably still um, in a bit of a movement with that like I was talking to someone the other day and when you look at our Australian netball team Mm -hmm. we all look the same Um, And we all have a similar body shape. So obviously, you know, being an athlete, there's probably um, a scale for that. But Mm. it's about us trying to work towards moving that needle. So players that do come through our system, if they face, you know, different barriers to entry or larger hurdles than those from potentially more privileged backgrounds or different ethnicities don't have, how we can make that as foreseeable and as easy for them as possible and hopefully with time Mm. um, that needle will shift but it's definitely a bigger piece I think in the sporting puzzle.
1: Yeah, yeah and there are so many things that contribute to that Um, and I guess if you've grown up in a a footy or a netball family and it's something that your family's already done, you don't even realise um, I guess what barriers have been removed for you. Um, So yeah, I think um, just understanding uh, different backgrounds and um, I guess, what uh, what's expected and, and what sort of is the natural thing for a lot of kids to do. Um, it, it's really important to, I guess, removing those barriers for them.
0: Yeah, we want to make sure everyone feels included, whether it's on a football field or a netball court or a cricket pitch. Mm. I feel like that's the <laughs> <a> correct <laughs> vernacular for that, isn't yeah, it? A yeah. cricket pitch?
1: Yeah, a p- yeah that's right. <laughs>
0: um, we are just about to release our Melbourne Vixens Indigenous design for Indigenous Round in a couple of weeks. I know you've worked with designing some of Carlton's jumpers previously. Can you talk to me about that?
1: Yeah, so I've um, had the privilege of uh, being able to work with my own team in designing our Pride jumper. So um, I worked uh, on this year's Pride jumper and the one before and I think maybe the first one as well. So, um, (laughs) yeah, it's been really special um, because obviously um a lot of the women's footy players are from the lgbtqa plus community so it's pretty um amazing to be able to wear a jumper that represents you and um and the people you care about as well so um and also pay tribute to um the women who have actually built aflw um uh, women's footy has always been like a really inclusive space so it's um yeah having a pride round is really important to all the girls but um yeah to be able to sort of actually talk about this stuff with the girls and and get an understanding of what um they feel best represents uh pride um yeah I I really enjoyed that challenge and um the opportunity to sort of try to put it to life and um you know if if you were doing it you jump on paint, I jump on Illustrator, <laughs> like it's all
0: <laughs> I probably cut out individual <laughs> squares of fabric perhaps and try and visualise it yeah. that way. Yeah, that's cool. Colour by too. numbers potentially. Yeah,
1: that's cool. <laughs> um but yeah, it is a real it is a real privilege and yeah. I'm sure it's something that I'll look back on in time um, and understand just how special that opportunity was to to be able to um actually wear something that you've played a part in designing.
0: Well, hopefully you um, have that position for a couple of years to come and I can't wait to see maybe what the next few years' designs looks like. Um, off the field, uh, what else do you like to get up to? What What are you doing? It's not an off-season for you per se, right? You do – you play occasionally with the VFL or is that just dependent on numbers? Uh,
1: so it's sort of uh, – it's sort of evolving as our league evolves. So um – as our AFLW season gets a bit longer, um, there's probably uh, less of a need to play top kind of top up games in the VFL because at the moment um, AFLW girls might play a handful of games from the VFLW um, just to ensure they are playing enough footy all year round. Because um, yeah, if you play nine games a year, like it's not really enough. Um, but also in saying that, that's how many games I've played this year. That's well, how many I will play. You so you're
0: good, I feel <laughs> no. like. You're off for the time being. You're on the bench. You're <laughs> cutting oranges. Yeah, I'm cutting oranges.
1: <laughs> I'm bringing them out at halftime. time. girl. Um, yeah, that's it. <laughs> um, but if I look at my career, like I have accumulated quite a few games over the years, so I think that definitely contributes to um, game sense and development and understanding what you can do in a game, whereas the younger girls the 18, 19, even probably up to 24, 25-year-olds just haven't played that many games Mm -hmm. um, because of, I guess, the nature of where AFLW is at. Um, So, yeah, it's important for them to sort of top up. Um, But for me, I've sort of used it as a time to switch off a little bit, still do a little bit of training. Um, I sort of get down to VFL and really enjoy having a run around um, and try to keep up uh, skills and that sort of thing. Um, But I also just like doing odd jobs, um, picking up little projects um, and just keeping my mind busy.
0: Do you think you'll potentially end up in coaching? We've had a conversation about how um, obviously AFL is pretty male-dominated and most of the coaches um, in AFLW are men. For me, I think it's it's pretty similar in women's basketball but the tables are turned in Nepal. There's mm. one or two male coaches and the rest of the community is female. We probably face the opposite issue with men who want to get involved, it is quite difficult for them Mm -hmm. sometimes. Do you potentially foresee you or any of your teammates once you've transitioned out of playing elite sport to becoming coaches or even working in high performance?
1: Yeah, well, I think – I guess it is quite common for um, past players to become coaches or um, even at the moment a few of my teammates are coaching, um, you know, in in juniors or – maybe shadowing uh, in the men's coaching space as well so uh, for me I, like it's never been something I've really consciously thought about um, but I think as I get a bit older I'm starting to understand what I do know about football I think for a long time I was like oh, I don't know anything about football <laughs> like I'm just running here just running there or just chasing it like it's all just instinctual um, but now as I'm learning I'm probably learning to articulate what I'm doing a lot more um and I do see that um you know playing for Carlton now I'm trying to teach the younger forwards coming through like just little things to think about um but uh, yeah I'm I'm assuming that as I continue in my career it might be something that I do want to get more involved in and and see myself um playing I guess a, a role in but I don't know. <laughs> I really don't know. I'm hoping to play for a while yet. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm sure
0: I can't wait to see where you end up and I'm sure a lot of people are looking forward to seeing the rest of your elite sporting career um, and what happens after that. So thank you very much for joining me today. Um, hopefully you'll be able to come down to a netball game and watch us throw around a sack of air.
1: <laughs> be like the why aren't you running sack. with the ball
0: <laughs> just run with it it's not yeah. that hard
1: <laughs> the rounds just one step
0: just one <laughs> one and a half if you're lucky depending on the yeah, umpire yeah 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 yeah
1: <laughs> that's true i will i will definitely have to come down and watch a game vixens are my team now so well we're also navy blue so yeah. you know it just
0: makes sense it just makes sense it really does <laughs> all right well thank you for joining me and we'll talk
1: to you sometime soon thanks joe thanks for having me
0: thanks for tuning in to this episode of finding your fearless a melbourne vixens podcast hosted by joe weston finding your fearless is presented by deakin university at deakin university every single course is backed by industry experts this means you can be confident you'll get the job you want with a degree employers want deakin university progressive real world learning